Gentlemen, Chad, Chad, hey. <laughs> Chad, cow, how's it going? Chad, cow. <laughs> <laughs> the cow and the Chads have ever run. Uh, what's the up, three C's. C's. Good to hear Nothing you. Much, just I, was yeah. en- enjoying those cozy vibes of the, of the intro music. Yeah, that was it made me feel like it's like Christmas coming up or something. That's one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have a sultry face on playing the piano over here. <laughs> <laughs> Just performing live. That'd be, yeah. that'd be a fake out. Small candelabra. It's a moonlit night. And <laughs> I think Chad should, uh, <laughs> Chad should open these up with some, uh, some live performance one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of these days. Yeah, we, uh, we haven't been on in like, two weeks or anything like that i i, I don't want to like crowd like like do these when there's like nothing to you know i don't want to just do this for the sake of doing them which is why like maybe sometimes we just we just don't do them or we're busy or whatever or you know chad's gonna wipe stuff off his jacket or, or whatnot so you know you can't, you can't we can't do them every single week but i want to keep doing these as often as we possibly can but not but not too often you know, you know what i mean it's like i feel like we need to just keep a good cadence of just like you know, like try and try and do every week if there's something to there's something to do, and then if there's not, then then we don't do it. I think that's I, I think we've been, like done a pretty good pretty good job of that. I mean, how we got like fifty six. This is the fifty seventh one of these weekly Friday spaces in the past like year and probably. So I think we've done actually a pretty good job of like sticking to it, honestly. Yeah, I also think like just depending on market conditions and like how excited people are, like I'm sure. Um, you know, like even if there were no updates, but if, if there were just new people every week and when we're in that like bull market mode and everyone's paying attention, then then weekly definitely will still make sense just because there's we can go over basics and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Getting, just getting new people up on stage, I feel like is or just getting people to come on your podcast or Twitter spaces or whatever is just such a such a pain, dude. Yeah, but even just like just audience, like remember yeah. when when it's bold times and crypto Twitter <laughs> is blowing up. I mean, w- me and you would sit on spaces for like six hours sometimes, just answering like, yeah. you know, just what is Thorchain, <laughs> which is great, obviously, to get the word out. But those times will return. It's true. They'll be back. They'll be back. 
Well, we won't need to answer the, uh, the LP questions anymore because it'll just be savers and, you know, it's just a lot, lot simpler, which is good. I know. Think of all the hours saved explaining impermanent loss protection. <laughs> oh, man. I definitely don't want to think about that one. Now you guys have to, have to explain lending. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be a lot easier. <laughs> even, even just like I was tweeting with somebody and, and like, the, you know, it's, just, it's like come in with a certain kind of assumption or a certain way of thinking. You know, and like, oh, you can't do that because this will happen. And it's like, well, no, you get to like reset your assumptions. So what's the latest on lending? Any updates? It's uh, on stage now, right? Is it in testing? Where are we at? Uh, it's not, not much has happened in the last couple of weeks, to be honest, just because um, we, we wrote some docs for uh, some, some people to review uh, externally to the, to the project. Um, and... With the things happening on mainnet the last couple of weeks, we're kind of distracted with more important things, I guess. But uh, at this point, it's still just more testing, validation, documentation, uh, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, as far as I know, I asked uh, Ursa for, for an update on that. They were working on some more of that like regression test framework for the, for the lending. So there's still a bunch, of stuff, a bunch of things that need to go in, I believe, to to uh, make it happen. So I, I think there's, there's still quite a bit of work to be done on the on the testing front and, and like the testing apparatus around the around lending. So th there's still a lot more to uh, to happen on that front before like the real testing can go underway. I think there was a couple a couple of small bugs where things just weren't. Uh, you know, functioning as intended. So I think the testing uh, framework needs to be done first, and then we can actually start getting into like you know the the, the real like test with live funds. Like everyone can go on and do like a like a Thor Games type type thing where people can just publicly test and uh, you know submit submit bounties, just like make sure that things work a as intended. And I at that point, we'll pr it'll probably be pretty close to the, to the launch. But like right now, there's still some more that needs to be, that needs to happen on on the uh, testing and validation side. So it seems. So yes, Chad, uh, you should get on that. Well, to be honest, my 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 role was to to help uh, architect the thing and write the code that does it. And uh, at that point, once all that's done, which it mostly is, unless there's some bugs or something to be fixed, uh, is to hand it off to the nine realms team to do the uh, testing and validation and get it. You know, push on the mainnet. So, my 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 role in it has already been been served for the most part. But of course, I'm around for for help and, and uh, advisement and fixing issues that come up. All right, cool, cool. So, yeah, um, so yeah, that, that's just kind of in progress. Uh, you know, keep updated on the, the status of, of those things and when it'll be like. I mean, obviously, you can take out a loan. I don't know if you can actually close one at this point on on StageNet. Um, I, like, oh, I think you can do both. more things. You can do both right now? Yep. We've successfully done it? Yes, we have. Sweet. I know we opened one. I wasn't sure if we closed it out successfully or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've done that. I tested it out. Works pretty well. A couple bugs we discovered, but nothing like too crazy. Easy to fix. Cool, cool. Anything you want to say, Chad, about the uh, the the mainnet halt earlier uh, this week, or I think it was late late last week, actually. Yeah, I, mean, I can go kind of go over what happened more or less. Is so, it was a, a different one in many respects, and uh, so we first initially received a um, somebody submitted a white hat bounty, you know, report uh, to us and made some claims about uh, official signatures and, and this kind of stuff. And, we uh, started to engage with them in conversation and that kind of stuff to figure out what they were saying, and what, you know, but they weren't in the, initially they weren't really giving us much info or details. And so it was hard to, 
to validate their 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 position or whatever. Uh, and then it turned out that um, that from my understanding, it turned out that what they were proposing was actually already you know made public like a, few, a couple hours earlier. Like they were just like it seemed like they were just like claiming the work for, for somebody else's work for, as their own and, and trying to to collect it or something like this. And so I think what ended up happening was that there was a, a research firm, and I think it was um, what was the name of that firm? Oh, blanking on it right now. This is gonna annoy me. God damn it. Uh, Sorry, we can go without the names for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a research firm that, that posted some, some like findings about TSS uh, in general, and um, specifically around the the binary the Binance library called TSS Libs, which we are uh, we import and utilize that library that Binance created years ago and had it audited and all this kind of stuff. And so they had found uh, a few uh, like three or four different uh, um, uh, problems with the the implementation of, of TSS. And so um, after analysis of looking at like what what an attacker would need to do in order to you know utilize the things. Um, we kind of established that um, you have to first be an active validator of the network. Second, you have to um, kind of manipulate the key gen in a way. Uh, you have to do that first. And then once you've done that, then there's a way that you can um, participate in the key signing and be able to extract the key of DSS in that process. And so since it requires the key gen first before you can do anything, and you know, all the funds are still there now, which means if, it, if somebody did a bad key sign or manipulate the key sign, sorry, key gen, he generated then they they would have already stolen all the funds and everything would have been by now anyway. So we figured it was it was safe to continue to do trading and, and that kind of stuff and was adding liquidity withdrawals, all that kind of stuff. But we wanted to pause uh, churning uh, and and get those those bugs or uh, problems uh, sorted on the on the Binance library itself uh, before we allow churning to continue. So it'll probably take a while for us to to vet all those changes being made, uh, make sure they're all legit, make sure the changes are are good and solid, new issues. Uh, and we are um, in that process now. To be honest, it'll probably take a while. Um, I'm going to guess maybe two weeks uh, to go through that process of trying to validate um, all the changes and make, make sure everything's good and safe and so forth and so on. But in the meantime, we can go ahead and you know keep on trading and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So this only affects the churn and whether uh, we, we can we can churn or not. So this is this will be basically just the delay of the of the churn until uh, until this is patched and we get a new release out with. The, the the patch that'll that'll fix any issues that are determined to be valid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Also, we're just to call out like that has no effect on your average user, your average swapper, your saver. Like everything's moving along normally. That really would only matter to you if you're if you're tuned into the nitty gritty details and or you're a node operator. <laughs> but for for day to day authoritarian use, I mean, as usual, really. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think people just like freak out sometimes, especially when uh, you know stuff's like posted on, on Twitter, and then like then like something like CoinDesk picks it up, and then you know, they, and then you know people start talking about it, but then like but in reality, there's no real like really published because all when you know security disclosure is made, things are uh, like obviously need to be kept like pretty quiet while things are being investigated. So, uh, but there's obviously just like a lot of a lot of fud that that, that goes around and and, and that, but. Uh, yeah, it's just it's like kind of crazy like how like the rumor storm like kind of just picks up like as uh as like something like this happens. It's just based off of you know, like regular uh you know white hat security apparatus type stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. And also just like yeah, shout out to Thorsack and all the devs involved in, in looking at this because it felt very well handled. I mean, how long was the chain even paused? Like maybe twelve hours or so. I mean, it was it felt like a very like. 
the freaking SWAT team came in, checked everything, said we're all good and we're back. Like it, it was, uh, it felt really well handled. So props to everyone involved. Chad, I'm curious to see how you feel about um, like comparison. You know, like obviously, I'm sure you've seen. Um, well, obviously the avalanche, avalanche uh, like Damon's going down, like that, that chain going into consensus failure. Like some, some, this happens to Lana every once in a while, but like you know, Thor chain is like a different beast and like something completely different. So I'm wondering if you have like thoughts about like how you mentally distinguish like uh, you know th- things that happen on like L1 chains versus what's what's happening on something like Thor chain or like whether you, you see that any differently at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's different ways of halting, right? And different reasons why a system would halt. Like Solana halts for uh, a few different reasons. Sometimes it's just because of uh, there's like too many transactions. I guess that's what it was initially. I mean, that's other reasons. Like, um, we're like, so in Solana's case, uh, the way they do like their fee model is a little bit kind of broken. I acknowledge it now and I'm trying to fix it, which takes a long time. And so that just through like a high enough throughput would cause it to, to basically halt, you know, in a matter of speaking. And then all the validators that would restart their systems to like kind of like kick, kickstart it back online or something like this. Um, but consensus failures is like a little bit different. So consensus failure will happen when um, two different nodes disagree on the end state of a particular block. They, they process the same the same inputs, the same data, the same transactions, and the output, the hash of the output is like slightly different for some reason or cause. And that's usually because of, uh, most commonly just because of some sort of bug in the code, right? Um, some sort of indeterminate state that's happening in the, in the code base in one form or another. And that can manifest in, in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, maybe an easy example to kind of verbalize the, uh, you know, an example that, that most people can understand is that, like, say you wanted to include in the block the current time, right? It is now, you know, 12, 17, and 37 seconds and 0.008, you know, milliseconds or nanoseconds, whatever it is. And so depending on the time that each, each individual validator runs their code, they could get a slightly different time. And when they include that into the block, the checksum of that block will be slightly different than another block. And so that's a very simple example. That's why you don't include like the time in a, you know, it has to be very consistent, like deterministic data. And time is not really deterministic because it depends on when you execute the the code, which can be different from somebody else, which causes that consensus failure. So that's just like a very, very simple example. And there's much more complicated examples I could get into, but that's probably gonna be a little bit of most people in the audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a natural thing to happen when you have a young code base or uh, or a code base that's being modified and heavily. Um, that, that can that can happen anytime you're maybe making a small code change. It can even happen. So um, these things tend to go away over time as the code code basically gets becomes more solidified, more ossified. You're not really making changes anymore. You're not really you know fixing bugs anymore because most of them have already been fixed. And so as time goes on, the the number of code changes goes down over time, and then the statistical odds of hitting a because of failure or chain halt uh, goes down. For us, we're a little bit different though, because um, than every other blockchain out there, because we can halt for a lot of reasons. Sometimes those things aren't even because of Thor chain itself. It can, we can halt because of something externally to us, right? Like both of the UTXO chains recently, not because of some bug in Thor chain or some code issue in our, on our part as a, as a project, but it was some bug or issue on somebody else's part and on their code base, right? Even this uh, halt we just had this past week, was not because of some code change on our on our our side. It was just because of some bug on an import that we were pulled in from somebody else. In this case, it was a, a Binance library. So, um, you know, they can happen for a lot of different reasons. But for us, we're we're, we're more exposed to being to halting the chain than any other project. I would argue, just because we take on we import a lot of things, we have a relationship to a lot of different code bases externally to us, like Bitcoin and Litecoin, and uh, maybe even like IBC one day, or, or like it could be lots of different things. 
Um, I don't really consider this to be a problem personally, just because it's a this is the way the game has to be played in order to do this cross chain thing we're trying to accomplish. But it's definitely uh, an interesting topic. Uh, Rod, hold it down. Yeah, I just find it interesting that people like whenever something gets gets paused or um or or stopped, there's you know there's there's inevitably people that come out and say like oh like decentralization this, this chain is very centralized like you know these guys could just just stop it uh when, whenever they want or you know there's there's some team that's like controlling everything that that's going on here and so therefore this thing is not is not decentralized so it's like it's it's just a interesting viewpoint and, and likely one that doesn't really understand like just door chain as a whole so that it's probably just a misinformed opinion which is like i mean that's okay it's acceptable i guess but um yeah it's just it's just interesting that that people always jump to that whenever there's some kind of security thing because it's like I, I guess maybe it's the people really value immutability and and like maybe people are just like very used to the this the very slow moving um so slow moving, more ossified chains that don't have these pro or like do do very little. Like like Bitcoin does does very little. You can send the UTXOs, you can send your Bitcoin to somebody else, and like great, that, that's good. You can just send it, and uh, that, that's a good time. Let me get Paul up here as well, Mister Paul Puey from Edge Wallet. What's up, man? So, so it's actually a little bit different than that. So one thing I, I, I want people to understand is that like the idea of the Mimir admin, which has been liquid based since the beginning, is primarily there to be like a, a, a fast response to some sort of issue that's going on to be, be able to you know mitigate any kind of risk to the network or to the funds or anything like this but it's not the final say right the, the nodes in the end have control over what actually happens so say cow is a mamir admin for example and cow says i you know i'm, I'm just going to be an asshole and just like pause trading you know on the network for some reason just just to be a dick or be malicious that doesn't mean that the, the whole thing is done for at that point because uh the validators themselves the nodes themselves can vote and say no i want to continue trading Right. And so then once a two thirds majority of the validators say, no, let's go ahead and continue trading, then trading not only continues, but it then actually removes the ability for Kyle to use his, his Mimir key to be able to, you know, pause trading again. Like actually like takes that particular man to configuration of the network to pause trading has now been revoked from the Mimir admin's capability to be, even be able to do so. So not only do nodes get a final say about you know, the configurations of the network are pausing trading or not pausing trading or whatever it is. But they also get a say of like what the Mimir admin has ability to actually do. So if the network, if the validators in the community says like, you know what, this this configuration of pausing trading is too important. We don't want, you know, Mimir admin to be able to, you know, be able to pause it arbitrarily according to their, you know, what they deem to be a good reason to do so. Let's go ahead and take away this uh, this ability. The nodes can literally do that any any mere change that they want. It's like actually it's, that's the way it's designed from like from like some sense. So, um, but we leave it there, especially in the early days when like a new feature comes out, say like you know lending comes out for example, and we discover there's some sort of bug or issue. We want to be able to pause lending so people can't open or close loans, uh, so that we can fix the bug and then resume things very quickly. Conversely, on the more like on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? If you go the other the, the other way. Is that, that's what Terra did. Like Terra had a system where they, they could govern the network, but it took two weeks to make any kind of change to the network through a voting process on, on that network. So when things started to go sour on the Terra network, you know, last year, uh, the, the the governance model was not fast enough to be able to address the issue before things basically went to zero, right? And that's a really big problem. So 
uh, it's always been kind of the, the forethought that we want to be able to quickly react to any bugs, problems, exploits, whatever it is going on, or something crazy happening in the in the industry. Maybe one of the chains, like you know, one of the ETXO chains, have some exploit that was discovered. We want to be able to mitigate the risk there as fast as possible, so we don't give anybody any malicious party, uh, you know, a headway to be able to do something maliciously. So that was just a decision that's made. The idea of removing the mere admin entirely that could be. Uh, at some point in time, we've, we've, just, we've debated and talked internally and externally within the community like, many times over the couple, last couple of years. Uh, we held on it longer than I would have guessed at the beginning when we first launched it, like a couple of years ago when we launched Multi-Chain Chaos Net. Because it's, it's just been so helpful to be able to, like a tool to be able to mitigate risk or, or, or be able to pause things so that we can fix some so bug or issue. It's like, very, very useful in that way. But at some point in the future, most likely that'll be taken away entirely. Uh, when that is, it's just like depending upon what the community will be. For me, uh, my own uh, two senses are like let's let's iron out the system, let's fix all, like get the, the main features out, like lending, for example, order books and other things, possibly, possibly get like the, all the features landed and solidified and you know baked and all that kind of stuff, and then we could start like dismantling the mere admin and taking it out of the system entirely. Uh, thanks so much, Chad. Actually, that was a question I was about to ask: is exactly how exactly does this uh, admin key work? Um, on the edge side, we've definitely gotten hammered by users saying that the system is very centralized and you know, the the gods of Thorchain can arbitrarily halt trading and halt operations on the chain. Um, I think you 90% answered my question of uh, basically like what exactly is required um, in order to halt trading with these admin keys and um, how can they be uh, verified by the nodes. Probably the last 10% is um, on the request of any of these admin keys to actually do any type of halts. Um, is there anything that a node needs to do to say, yes, we will go ahead and accept that halt? Or is it by and large automatic if this key has not been revoked by the nodes on the network? Just curious how like automatic that is or if the nodes still have to acknowledge anything. And I think that was a question that was posed to us by some of the users, especially during the UTXO trading. We had you know a couple users that were really, really, really hard on ThorChain and said they would never use it again because of that entire, that entire incident and primarily because of what they deemed as uh, the centralization risk. Yeah, good question. So, uh, to my knowledge, uh, last time I looked, there's there's two admin keys that are hard coded into the code base uh, that are that are utilized by uh, by basically by devs. Uh, internally, we have conversations. We kind of debate internally, like, oh, should this, looking at the situation, like we might see a here's a, a, an example, like we might get a bug report of a potential problem or export uh, uh, exploit on the network from some sort of from an environment like this, and then we will look at it as a team, both and Thorsec together. We will analyze it. Kind of try to validate it's fine, it's it's legitimacy or illegitimacy depending upon which direction it's going, and then we'll understand what the risk is to the protocol, and then we'll kind of decide internally if this is something worth, you know, pausing trading for, or or LP withdrawals, or churning, or like what what does it affect, and what are the things we need to do to to mitigate risk uh, of of the network itself or the, or its funds that it's securing. Um, that will go through that process, and then we choose to, to halt or choose not to halt as a, as a, a team in general with, along with Thorsec. Um, for nodes themselves, the assumption, the starting position is that you agree, that you agree with whatever it is that the dev team us um, makes. So if we just say, you know, publicly, like we, you know, got a report of a success bug like we saw this week from um, Kudelski, and we want to, you know, pause things to make sure we, we patch these newly discovered things in the TSS library, blah blah blah. That by default, the network and the validators agree with us. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with us. You can always just start voting in the in the opposite direction. Validators can start voting and saying, no, whatever the, the thing is that we changed, say it was like halt trading, for example. Uh, you can start saying vote, you know, halt trading to be false. And then it, all the nodes can start chiming in and voting, 
you know, in either the affirmative or the, you know, or the, or the not, and start pushing in one direction. But if once a consensus is reached amongst the nodes, whether it be one direction or the other, that that's it for Mimir Admin. Like that, they no longer has the ability to, to set that particular configuration unless the nodes themselves break their own consensus, right? So nodes consensus always comes first and primarily Mimir Admin can only do something when the nodes themselves do not have consensus on what to do with this particular uh, Mimir, this particular uh, configuration. Now do the nodes, um... When they vote, is voting basically uh, like a code change or is this a little like an interface inside of the node um, software that allows them to arbitrarily say, we're not going to go follow what the admin key is requesting with respect to halts? Yeah, it's not a, not a code change. Uh, nodes just go onto their node and there's a, a command called uh, um, make the mirror. And it's just, it prompts you and says, hey, what's, the, what's the key name? What's the key and what's the value? If the key is halt trading. The value is zero or, or one or, or you know, being true or false. And so they can just vote that whenever they want on their nodes themselves. Got it. Okay. I think that answers most of the questions. If uh, one pops in mind, I'll go ahead and chime in again. Thanks. Yep. I think also specifically about the UTXO thing that, that those users were concerned about. Like that, that was an external issue to ThorChain where there was a, I, there was a postmortem published about this by Pluto, I believe. But the, I mean, the, the TLDR was that there was a uh, reports of vulnerabilities on the other chains themselves. So it wasn't something you could just patch on our end and then, um, restart trading and then everything everything's fine it was a it was a potential issue with the chain itself uh where you know it, it was um it was reported that there could be like you know some kind of like reorg exploit or like something could be used to potentially drain the lp funds which is uh which is why that trading was was paused for so long because there needed to be a fix on those individual like those individual chains need to come to their own consensus about the new rules for uh for, for the chains and then uh you know make the updates to, to get to where uh, our LPs were safe. So it was an, it was the external um, dependency on the other chains themselves, which is why they were paused for so long. Also, there's you know, the whole investigation uh, you know, behind like the, the validity of these claims and things like that. But if it was an internal issue to ThorChain, it would have been fixed much, much quicker than how long it took to actually like verify and fix the issues on the other chains. Because it was not something that we really had any control over. Yeah, and just for clarity, we definitely kept a close eye on the UTXO halt uh, and by and large defended a lot of the decisions made by the ThorChain, ThorSec, you know, the dev team. And some users just don't quite have the kind of insight that maybe we might have. And as well, even after the fact, they just get jaded. You know, I think it's one of those, especially if you come from um, maybe a bit more com uh, Bitcoin-like mindset, the idea that a chain halts at all just uh, rubs them the wrong way, no matter what you tell them, even though it's like, hey, this is completely outside of the chain. And so, you know, we, we did our best. It was like pages worth of communication with some users. And so we're just, you know, I asked this question really to, to try to make it more public. You know, the fact that it is a network of nodes that at the end of the day, you know, do have, um, do have final control and say over how the network operates. Um, and it's just a, a small set of users that were much louder than, than the rest. Uh, but definitely posed what would be legitimate concerns that uh, the not as in the know could potentially have. And that's all. Yeah. Con conversely, if we, if we didn't do this, right, we weren't able to actually make, you know, pauses or whatever, or we required governance to do that. We would like say, Hey, we need a two thirds. We like, we, we say like, Hey, we found a TSS bug, you know, whatever in the Binance library reporting, there's a, you know, an exploit that, you know, publicly released the information, the CEVs about this, and we want to pause, you know, trading or pause whatever terms, whatever. And then the 18 to 24, it would take a two thirds majority of the validators to, to vote in the affirmative to pause things. Like by that time, you can potentially just drain 
all the funds, right? Or if there's an exploit that was revealed about, you know, Dogecoin or something like this or whatever, and then that exploit allowed you to, to drain all the Doge and ruin out of the, that particular pool, like the funds would be lost. And if that would happen, then like the project would be more or less dead, right? And we wouldn't be able to have, to have anything that's essentialized across chain. So, so like we really have to, you know, we can't s sit in a place of idealism and be detached from the idea of like realism. Do you know what I mean? And so even, but even like, even if you get rid of the Mimir admin right now, to say you just were to remove it, you still have the ability that nodes themselves, individual validators themselves can make the choice to pause the entire system and when they see fit. So we don't require that uh, Mimir admin to be online and to sign. Like if there's something going on, if there's like, maybe somebody has some sort of massive exploit that they're gonna extract, you know, uh, you know, $50 million out of the pools or whatever the hell it is. And we are, have the delayed outbound that's delaying that transaction up to an hour. Any validator can say, hey, this looks very suspicious. This looks like there's something wrong here. I'm going to do a make pause, which allows that individual to, to pause the network up to one hour. And then a validator can say, make zoom and push the other direction. If they feel that it's, you know, it's fine. It's not really much of an issue. We could just go ahead and continue on. Or they can also do make pause and, and pause it an additional. And that allows us to be able to act quickly, but I'll, but I'll not allow any single validator to, to you know, pause the network indefinitely or be, be nothing more than just kind of a, a nuisance. But in the end, what's more, what's more important to, from my perspective is to make sure that the network and its funds are secure than inconveniencing swappers in an edge wallet or what, what have you for some period of time while we try to figure out what the problem is. I think I'm in hundred percent agreement. So I'm, I'm aligned. I think the, the idea of having these admin keys and um, the way to operate for the security of funds is, you know, of utmost importance. Um, I think probably the smallest thing that could be tweaked is probably just the messaging. I know when I surf through the discord and probably this, this might be true other users that are less knowledgeable and you just see, you know, we have halted or we have unhalted. You know, the team has decided to halt, the team has decided to unhalt. It definitely can come across to an average user as, okay, there's just God here that can arbitrarily do things. And um, I think some aspect of the messaging, even if it's copy pasta, boilerplate, it says, you know, um, uh, one of the X number of admin keys has pushed out a request to halt and um, none of the nodes have vetoed or rejected it. You know, there hasn't been any, uh, any nodes to, to reject it. And even if that, that's possible and you hear it over and over again, it at least for someone that joins the Discord makes it clear that there's some level of not a single god, but you know that the nodes are involved in this decision by simply not overriding um, this admin. Something about that would definitely help because I myself, um, looking at the Discord, might get that unless I came in and asked these questions in a deeper level, um, like here on this on this spaces. So I think it's image, not the actual existence of this feature, that might be the issue that people are having. Um, and so that would be my only little nugget that might help, you know, with preventing some of the reaction they think the industry seen. That's an excellent suggestion and definitely should go into future comms around these types of issues. Like, yeah, if it had just said uh, with no, with zero objections from node operators or something like that, then it kind of shows like, okay, like this is a decision that the nodes are still ultimately have the final say in. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think we're, we're still definitely learning. Every single one of these is learning, and never, no two of one of these pauses are the same. They're, they're all they're all like so bespoke and completely different. Uh, I think one of the changes that, that we'll be making going forward is having Thorsec put out the announcement rather than like Noms or uh, or, or Chad or like somebody else. I, I think having Thorsec do it also can kind of can go some type of distance in, in showing that this is like some kind of security, like it's a security related issue and not a uh you know not not the dev team just pausing things just to pause things 
But if there's other, if you guys have like specific suggestions on like how to communicate this stuff, then like we're definitely all ears. So we we do, uh, be more effective, and, and like I, you know, I should be doing my part on on this too, and like figuring out the best way to communicate all these things and the, the best way to put out put the information out there without without causing like unnecessary like panic and fear but uh you know just be, be more effective in our communications with this type of stuff so uh, yeah i'm wondering if you guys or anyone in the audience has like thoughts on this or suggestions on what um they think should be going on like one thing to be aware too like just to be conscious about is that like at some level the community does have to trust the devs right and the, and the and the people behind building and maintaining this this protocol like because if we get a notification from we or we discover Forsec discovers a new bug whatever that uh, allows people to, to steal all the funds just hypothetically speak we're not going to publicly ex to disclose that information publicly and say hey if you want to steal all the you know 100 million dollars of value uh, here's how you do it you know nodes should we should we pause the chain or not because obviously that's just going to you know, tip and, and and cause like the funds to be lost in fact we've literally seen this happen where devs had uh, even sometimes accidentally created a branch fixing up some sort of security issue. Some um, malicious person is watching the repo, sees, oh, there's a new branch and it fixes the security issue. I'm going to go ahead and exploit before they actually make the patch. I've literally seen this happen in DeFi at least three times now where the devs, like, really the devs' fault that the phone because they disclosed the information of how to steal the funds from the network. And that just seems like it's a really, 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 really bad idea. And so at some level, like the community does need to just to trust the devs and say, if we are calling for a pause, if we're saying that we need to pause trading, we need to pause journey or whatever it is, you know, that we're doing it for us and we believe there is a legitimate thing to be concerned about. And we will be happy to, you know, explain it to people and show people the details and, you know, what the, all it is, when the time is right, once the network has been, is, is, is safe. Do you know what I mean? We can't do that prior to that point for, ob for obvious reasons. Yeah, or believe that there's a potential, like, or pausing while an issue is being, while a potentially credible issue is being investigated uh, for its for its validity. Like, I, both of those reasons, I think, are pretty valid for uh, issuing a, a pause on a particular chain. Right, right. Yeah, personally, as a user, these things don't really concern me too much, but I understand it's it's mostly about optics and how people are, are less involved in ThorChain. But I remember there was a rant once that, that Pluto went on that I vaguely remember that shifted my perspective on this, which was just that, like, you know, we kind of expect ThorChain to act like like a centralized exchange in terms of it's just always perfect and everything is always exactly instant and perfect. And, like, the reality is that ThorChain is very complex and, like, it's it's wrangling all these other blockchains that are all doing their own thing in a different way. And the reality is, like, there's kind of always going to be little things that need more hands-on attention or issues or things like that. And that kind of put it into my perspective of, like, okay, this is, like, like this is a huge resource and it's very complicated. And the fact that it's not centralized is why it's going to require more intervention at times. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We say this every time, but it, it's not like when there's a problem going on to finance, they don't, uh, they, they don't tweet it out on the Binance Twitter that uh, all of a sudden everything, you know, a chain is paused on their network or they have to do this or do that. They just, they just do it and they go back online in 15 minutes because they got the patch out. You know, it's, it's really not that big of a deal for, you know, something somewhat a centralized entity to do that because they can just unilaterally update, pause things, do whatever they want. And that's, that's totally fine. But like, you know, things are being done out in the open here, which cause, which cause a lot more noise, which, which, which makes people very yeah. confused as to what's going on. So it's like, Improving the communication, like seriously, if people have ideas, just like send a DM to the account or something like that. Um, versus like how to better communicate, especially when there's like security, like especially security things that it's like there might not, there can't be like really public information out at that time, but like there needs to be a pause and just like, especially in like that situation, because 
like that does come up every uh, every so often, especially as there's more and more white hat disclosures, which is a, which is a great thing. And that's just the security apparatus working as normal. But like to the outside and people that are like barely paying attention and just see like you know one thing on uh, on Twitter or CoinDesk or something like that, then and then it's like oh uh, you know this shit's down again and you know it sucks. So. Yeah, even as situations like this unfold, people could get involved um, with suggestions for communications. Like, for example, you could definitely jump into the Deb Discord. There's a Twitter channel. Um, and, like, you know, during these times, a bunch of people are trying to figure out, you know, what do we say? How, how's the best way to say it? So definitely, like, even live during situations like that, people could definitely chime in and say, like, hey, like, I think when this announcement goes out, like, let's make sure to include X, Y, Z. Uh, you know, all of the sort of community feedback things are definitely... Uh, would be heard like even even on the fly like it, we don't have to plan it ahead or something like that like you know it's a it's everything is kind of a live unfolding experience with these things so definitely people should feel like they can get involved if they if they have a if they have something to say about how um, a particular communication is going to come out like you know say it yeah the, the other thing here too is that like it's because we are decentralization that we that we see these things at all like right when when anybody most projects that are using this tss library that binance created they're not actually decentralized at all and, and they're, they have trusted individuals who are running those nodes that are, run, that are signing these things and generating these key gems and that kind of stuff and so like like you won't even see a pause in you know Nancy's in this because there's no reason to pause it from their perspective because they're the ones running all the nodes right and so a centralized exchange has problems like this all the time you know it's actually quite often that we see that and i have a friend of mine who worked you know at coinbase for a good while who kind of told me some interesting little tidbits but like it happens all the time but most of the time you're not even aware of it because everything's just running as a black box on the internet somewhere and they just patch things behind the scenes without you even being aware that there was an exploit you to begin with right for us we can't really do that because we're transparent by nature we're open by nature we have to everybody has to know everything we're doing all the time there's no way to, there's nothing to hide behind or, or, or covertly be able to change anything uh, everything is just done in the clear, right? And so things are more, things are, when we do with issues, they're always shown. And because of that, it makes it, gives people the impression that we're, you know, um, uh, more unstable than, you know, a coins or Binance, whatever. And the reality is we're actually probably not. It's just that you don't see a majority of their issues that they're having over there because they're just patched behind the doors and it's never exposed in a sense. So it, it's just like, even this, this TSS library thing we just saw, like we're one of the very few, um, um, projects out there that were actually exposed to it because we actually have untrusted validators. We don't trust the validators we're running. We don't know who they are. We can't, we don't KYC them. We don't know who the, who the individuals are. I don't really want to know who the individuals are. And so we can't actually trust that those are, are non-malicious. We actually make the assumption that many of them could be. And so because with that assumption, we have to, you know, treat this, this the network differently than how a Coinbase treats, you know, their centralized exchange. Or even something like a BTCB bridge, you know, where there's trusted trusted uh i think they're called wardens or you know it's basically the the equivalent of, of a, a thor node in their eyes where it's like you know halborn and ava labs running running the nodes for their bridge they, they, don't, they don't need to do anything because they uh you know they they've used this trusted model of security and that's totally fine it's just a, a different way of, of doing things so cool any any, any other uh roughing you guys want to do on this soul security stuff there's a really cool feature actually coming out in, in 108, which I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, it's, it's this new outbound fee multiplier. So uh, this is something that, that we've been seeing, especially on the integrations front. A lot of wallets are concerned 
about fees on on ThorChain, and like r- rightfully so. Like, um, you know, anyone that's done a, a a fee a swap on ThorChain that ends in Ethereum, you'd probably be like, "Wow, this is a the gas is freaking expensive on Ethereum." So this is a new change to uh, hopefully lower the the the, the, uh, the gas fees that you pay. So the, the past like year or two. Uh, you need to pay three times the actual gas fees on Ethereum. And we all know how expensive gas fees on Ethereum are when you just got to pay the regular gas fee. And uh, in, on Dorchain, you have to pay three times the amount of gas. And that's because we don't want the, the system subsidizing the, the, the gas fees in case there's, there's a spike or, or, or whatnot. Like it, the outbound transactions need to go out on high gas. So the gas is already cranked up to 11 and it's three times that, which is why these outbounds are so expensive. So Eridonis, well, actually, I believe Chad came up with the concept and then Eridonis just, just pushed this out. It should be in the next uh, Thornode version whenever this goes out. And uh, this will change that, uh, that outbound fee multiplier. So it's right now it's 3x the, the gas fee. Um, this should make it dynamic. So I believe the behavior works something like this. So the network tracks how much of a surplus it, it has in terms of gas fees paid versus um, paid, paid by its users versus actually used on the chain because it, it can't predict beforehand exactly how much it, it needs to put out. So you need to have some kind of multiplier on here. So what it does is it tracks how much fees are, are being used versus how much are being collected. And then we'll dynamically set the outbound fee. So sometimes people go overpaying gas, sometimes people underpaying gas, but on the average, it should uh, it should really drop the amount that people are, are paying in gas. Um, and it, it make it a little more variable. So like sometimes you might pay, uh, sometimes you, you could pay 3x, sometimes you could pay just 1x the, the regular gas fee. And it just depends on how much of a surplus uh, there is in the network. So uh, basically it, it ensures that um, extra fees aren't being taken from the users, but also not being subsidized by the by protocol. So it seems like a really nice middle ground and it should really drive down uh, Ethereum outbound fees. So if you're swapping Bitcoin to Ethereum, they should make it uh, pretty significantly cheaper, especially for smaller swap sizes where a lot is really pin out of that outbound fee. So uh, this should be a really big change, I think. And hopefully it should see a pretty big difference in, uh, well, first off, DEX aggregation, they should make this a lot better because now there's just a lot less that needs to be paid in fees, but just the regular swap experience. And uh, I, I believe this works for every single chain, but you'll see the most effect on Ethereum just because it's so expensive, but it should really just bring down gas fees as a whole and just make swapping cheaper for the user without really having any other kind of effect. Yeah, this is actually really good. I, I remember talking about this, I don't know how long, it's been a year and a half ago to help curve the swapping on the network and make it cheaper for everybody. But the whole idea of it is to make sure that the, the network itself isn't subsidizing people's trades for them, right? We don't want the network to become, you know, uh, hold the liability of, of everybody's trade so that if the gas prices go up really quickly or something like this, that we don't, you know, our, we don't have our, our left, you know, holding, you know, spending a bunch of extra ether to, to pay for the gas of that transaction. And then, what end up what would happen was that more room would come out of the reserve and into the, into the pool to kind of cover the LPs of that uh, or savers of that pool. And so, like, it, it's just there that we want to make sure that that users are paying for their own gas, right? And the real the, the change here is just to make sure that, like, well, we'll kind of fuzzy it a bit, meaning that like sometimes people will get ch- cheaper trades now, and and the people who are paying more in gas now will kind of make other people's cheaper into the future a little bit. But in the end, like, we're just making sure that the total amount of room that, that that the the swaps are giving the reserve to pay for gas versus how much room the reserve is using to pay for that gas are you know you know equivalent one to one rather than being up or down in a particular angle so the three x was this there just to ensure that the reserve is not actually getting you know 
uh, cleaned out through uh, swap swap gas fees and just being drained in that way. And and so now it'd be more like a one to one versus like a one to three. Yeah, man, I'm excited for this. I, I'm, I'm excited to see how much of a change it'll make on especially outbound Ethereum swaps because yeah, I, I, it's clear that that's one of the weakest areas of Thorchain, especially especially EVM uh, because you know we, we do things in our own bespoke way. We don't we, we don't just stick to the EVM ecosystem, but the outbound fees are just kind of crazy. So um, hopefully, this should be a good change that just sees cheaper swap fees on on the whole for users. And uh, and that's just a real positive change, I think. And I, I think everyone can get behind that. So I would look forward to that in the next Thornode version, which should be out in the next week or two. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty hyped about this one. Uh, and it should, this should help with integrations as well, because uh, yeah, as I was saying, one of the primary, one of the big concerns from, you know, potential wallets and integrators and, and things is just the overall fees. So to do it, we're listening to the feedback of, you know, what you could think of as like Chain's customers, which is like the, the front ends, the interfaces, and, uh, you know, just taking that to heart and just giving them the best possible user experience. That way we can get more and more integrations. So it's constantly listening to feedback from all these interfaces and making changes as necessary. That's what we're going to need to do to, to stay ahead and also have just the best UX going forward. So good change, Chad. Thank you. What we want to talk about next? So, you know, we, can, we can open it up uh, to the community, or if, if Pluto wants to talk about some things, he's welcome to go on stage talk about some things. But anybody in the community wants to ask a question, welcome to start asking questions, I suppose. Paul hopped off, but uh, thanks for coming up, Paul. Huge, huge shout outs to Paul Puey and Edge Wallet. These guys are uh, pretty on top of everything, and uh, Paul's a really great guy. So thanks for coming up, Paul. Definitely check out Edge Wallet if you guys haven't. Um, it's a pretty cool mobile wallet, and uh, they they have doorchain powered swaps and savers and everything else. What else including could you need? including Thor swap uh, aggregator contracts now as well. Oh hell yeah! I didn't realize they had the uh, whole aggregator in there. Yeah, I'll tell you guys. I'll tell you guys that while we're waiting for anyone wants to come on stage, you're welcome to come on stage. But, but I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story while while we're waiting. Uh, so a, a couple of days ago, I actually met up with Sonny from Osmosis. He's like the, the main guys over there. Uh, we met up and grabbed like a cup of coffee and uh, just kind of chatted about um, like uh, Thorchain and, and Osmosis and potential integrations and like that kind of stuff. And uh, it was kind of a fun fun conversation. We talked for, um, I mean, almost, it must, must have been like at least two hours or three hours. We just chatted a bunch of things. We talked about lending. We talked about integrations, talked about all sorts of stuff. And... Um, so one thing we kind of I, I learned from him, you know, he understands uh, some aspects of the Cosmos SDK that I don't like. Uh, he's much more in tune with IBC, for example, than I am. And so we kind of talked about like the, the technical ways of actually implementing uh, depth aggregation with Osmosis in using the Atom Gaia chain, uh, Cosmos Hub chain, to 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 kind of like in a single transaction push you know Atom into Osmosis and then do a swap there and then push the resulting you know asset on the swap to some other chain like Juno or something like this to some random uh, to specify address, and so I think we have a we have an interesting idea. We need to validate some and, and kind of um, took some time, kind of like looking into the, how difficult this would be and so forth and so on. But um, we have an interesting way of like how to accomplish deck aggregation with osmosis, and it wouldn't really require you know much on the osmosis side. We could do it almost entirely. Side the only part we need their help with is 
when you deploy a cosmos uh, a cosmosm smart contract on osmosis it requires uh governance to to approve it it's not permissionless the way that ethereum is but I, i'm quite confident that sunny or the osmosis community would push against us using their their decks for swaps i'm sure they want to see their trade volume increase as much as we do so i, I think that's something we're going to be taking a look at at some point it's obviously being balanced with a bunch of other work you know other other integrations happen chain clients wallets uh, lending like there's lots of things that the that the team is working on so i'm not really sure where it lands in the priority order or when that's going to actually happen but it, it kind of gives new insight of how we can accomplish uh using osmosis and dex aggregation and then be able to connect all the chains and all the assets in the cosmos universe wait Amazing. so it is is possible with just atom or would require osmos i think it's it is possible I think that it is. We, again, we still need to validate it and do some more deeper research, but it sounds like it, it is possible. Um, the reason why it is is because this is how I imagine it would work, is that um, when Bifrost signs an Atom transaction, right now it just does a transfer from this Atom address to the Atom address, right? Uh, but I think that the theory is, is that we can, um, instead of doing a transfer, we can do an IBC transfer and do an IBC transfer from uh, Bifrost to a Cosmosm smart contract that, that we write and deploy onto the Cosmos uh, chain which in that IBC transfer, there's also like a little like field for data, right? Or for like, like, like a memo, like we use memos right now, embed like a little bit of a memo in there. And so we do an IBC transfer to the Cosmosm smart contract with a memo that gives the details of like, oh, this is the asset we want, this is what we're swapping to, this is the asset, that, the, the chain or the address that we're trying to send it to, but like all the information we need, we need to kind of pass to our own smart contract on, on Osmosis. And then the Osmosis uh, contract receives the IBC transfer reads the input, you know, met, uh, uh, memo information or, or, or metadata information, does a swap of uh, and transaction from Adam to, you know, you know, Juno, let's just say. And then once the transaction is done, the, the swap is done, it then does an IBC transfer um, from the Osmosis chain to the Juno chain, which gets sent to the address that we're trying to send to it in the end. And conversely, the same thing can happen where you can go the other direction and, and do an IBC transfer from Juno with the Juno token to the smart contract on osmosis with a, like, you know, the metadata and information, you know, put into the field, it does the swap to Adam, the Adam gets transferred to the, uh, to IBC transferred to the Bifrost address, our, our Adam address on that chain. And then we observe that transaction, do swap, swap the Adam to BDC or whatever the other, you know, thing is, or the other um, smart contract on Ethereum for desegregation on the other side. And now you can have like, multi, like three different or four different being integrated in a single transaction. That makes sense. That's, it's quite technical, but hopefully that's not too uh, yeah. hard to follow. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm also wondering whether it makes sense to do it through Atom or to, you know, uh, I mean, there's a couple different possibilities. Like you can do this through Atom, do aggregation through there. Like like you were just saying, you could get rid of Atom and do a direct osmosis integration and then just kind of do it through that. I yep. think there's a couple different ways that you could do it. And like, I think it'll take some, some stewing upon and, some more, some more research, but um, super. I mean, I think we should definitely aggregate no matter what, but we need to figure out like their strategy on like you know which, what, which way. Right, and, and Sunny and I had a conversation about the idea of adding the Osmosis chain client to to Thorchain directly, and we kind of played around with the idea. We we talked about the idea of like doing a token swap between our treasury and their treasury to kind of help seed um, seed the, uh, the 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 pool with some with some funds, some Osmo and some Rune, um, but. Uh, if we want to get this done, the probably the fastest and easiest way. I'm assuming this. We still need to do research and, and that kind of stuff. But the, probably the fastest, easiest way of doing it is just is just doing it through the Atom chain, just because it's already integrated, and we just got to write a smart contract, deploy it, and then 
maybe like a, a modification of Bifrost possibly. Um, but if you want to do the osmosis chain integration, that would require more governance, that would require you know debates within the community about what's the next chain client we're going to add. Is it going to be osmosis? Is it going to be Binance Smart Chain? Is it going to be Polygon? Like that's going to be a you know a big debate onto its onto its own, and so like probably the least controversial or the least you know uh, friction would be just like integrating it now through the atom chain, and then the other question becomes like, well, which one of these pools would be deeper? Like that's what we really care about as a project most is like the atom pool is going to be deeper, or is it going to be the osmo pool that's going to be deeper? Like which one of these two things is going to generate a more deep pool? That's probably the the clearest answer we could probably get. Whatever the answer is. Yeah, just arriving to that answer seems like there's no clear answer on like, you know, if we did osmosis, would there be more liquidity there? It, like, it, it, it's it's a strange situation because especially uh, when you're talking about Cosmos chains and, you know, being, I don't want to say like controlled by one team or anything like that, but yeah, just a relatively like small, small validators set their own tokenomics and things like that. Like all these factors come in, like that, that all factors into how well the actual LPs perform and probably and likely how much liquidity eventually gets into that um into that pool so just like so many factors to consider with it i, I also agree that it's probably it, it is cleanest to or at least to start to do it through adam and then if we determine that it's better to to go through osmosis then we could do some kind of process to do that but yeah i think for sure starting with adam and doing that and uh if anyone here's a cosmos dev wants to wants to try and take a crack at this then uh you should definitely get in touch and we, we can get started on this sooner rather than later Yeah, absolutely. yeah, I'm just I'm just excited. It's possible one way or another. I mean, I just want to see the outcome, which is any IBC uh, asset to to any Thor chain supported asset or aggregator supported asset. I mean, that's just huge. I think that's what most people want to see rather than LPing or, or even savers for these assets, just because Adam, you know, you already have regular staking and Osmo, I believe they have some kind of single asset staking, I assume or um, LPing, but uh, you know, it's really about it's really about the anything to anything swap. So, but yeah, yeah but there like, lies the problem because yeah. you need that liquidity. I know which one is actually yeah. going to like seems seems a bit unanswerable. I don't. I, I mean, I could I could throw a dart and say a guess, but I I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, more just from the perspective of like, all right, so these chains already have their own like native yield, you can call it. And if we're if our Sabers product or our LP product is off, like has a yield that's below just like the you know, basically the, the, the safe rate of that chain, right? Then how is liquidity incentivized to come into the Thor chain pools and then make swaps happen? Because if, if there's, you know, if we're trying to continue to aggregate liquidity with only, you know, one and a half million in the atom pool, like you're just not going to get anywhere with it. You, you can make probably like a, a small swap and that's it. And, and then maybe, that, maybe that's okay. Maybe we don't really care that, that much about it, but like we want to be putting through as much size as we possibly can, right? So we need deep pools for that. And which also means that, uh, you know, we, we need to be thinking about things like their their own inf inflation rate and like, and I mean, not inflation rate, I mean like their own like native yield and like how much we have in our, in our savers. It's like, are, are we actually pulling in liquidity versus are, are we just doing this connection just to put through like, you know, five swaps a week that are, you know, $500. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of chicken or the egg though too, right? Because like if their liquidity is there and the swaps are good, then people are going to swap more, which creates more yield. And like, but yeah, it has you have to kind of get it out of that like, initial like limbo period of there not being enough liquidity therefore nobody does swaps so yeah yeah part of it i think is just like trying to get the uis on the on the osmosis side of the world to integrate with orchard themselves as well to create uh trade and, and and that kind of stuff like be part of the part of that process that would be incredible i i, I wonder if you guys might have talked about that at all <laughs> we we did and i'll be blunt with you um 
the so there are there are several UIs around the uh, Osmosis you know exchange. The primary one, to my knowledge, is, is the app.just.zone, which is the one that you know uh, Sonny and his team has put together. And I, we talked about integrating in that way, and it seemed like he was a little hesitant. And his reasoning, I did to be honest, I didn't quite understand something about like how they want to have a kind of a centralized exchange experience in their in their UI, and it wouldn't make sense for us. I don't really understand, but maybe it would for like. WBDC to BDC trades or something like this. I don't really fully understand it. I'm sure what he said, what he's saying makes sense. You know, Sonny's a smart guy and all, but it might might require a little, you know, a little bit more discussion and, and deep dive into that. You know, I didn't want to get too deep into that part at this point. The part this part I want to see if how we actually get integrated at all, let alone how do we yeah. get level two integrations of getting more UIs and stuff. You know, absolutely. Yeah, start there. I'm guessing. I'm guessing his thoughts are kind of around like when you're only dealing with IBC assets and you're only dealing with one chain, essentially, like it does make the experience easy in the sense that you can just do everything within that one little world. Obviously that's very different than the Thor chain thesis, which is like, you're actually connecting the incompatible worlds. Right. But I think, I think something that I hope to see a lot more that we've, we've kind of talked about this concept a lot, but like the, the settle to option, you know, like maybe, maybe in something like an osmosis, you're dealing with like all these various, other forms of Bitcoin or wrap Bitcoin or some IBC XLR Bitcoin, whatever is being used there. But in, in you're doing trading in that regard, but then there's still like a, like a settle to native option where you can like extract from the, that system and, and settle to native Bitcoin. And that would of course be using Thorchain. Um, that, that's right. a concept that I, I feel like will, will hopefully become more popular. Yeah. I mean, if the, if the app that zone, zone doesn't want to do it, then there's like a few other ones too. We can talk to try to, um, you know, give them a little nudge in the right direction of integrating with us and getting more and kind of, you know, and it makes sense for them to do it as well. You know, they want to be able to, to settle to the layer one. It, that seems like a fairly obvious and, and valuable thing to do. Right. So I can't see there. I can't find there be a lot of resistance. Um, but I would say though, like if anybody wants to help with this, uh, we don't really have anybody on, on our dev team. That's a Cosm Wasm expert. Cause we don't really deal in that world ourselves. If anybody knows somebody who is a Cosmosm, you know, expert or is interested in, in like kind of contributing to the project, of course, it would be compensated uh, and help us kind of write the code for the smart contract part of this uh, thing. That would be that'd be interesting. Uh, reach out to to um, probably to nine realms is probably the best people to reach out to because they're the ones that probably be heading heading that work and and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, if you know anybody who's interested in helping out and this thing, like you know, reach out to, to nine realms and, and for and offer your services. Yeah, just send a DM to this Twitter handle, and uh, we'll we'll take care of you. Uh, yeah, any any Cosmosm dev that wants to take on something like this, uh, yeah, we're I, I think we know some people we're gonna reach out to, but uh, yeah, obviously there's people from the community that, that want to step up and do it. Then like now's the time to to get involved and and go for it. Uh, so yeah, I guess one last thing I wanted to talk about was Thor Swaps uh, Swap Kit SDK. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like a, we got a cool demo on it yesterday uh, from their team, and I mean, it, it looks absolutely sick. I don't know if you, you want to talk about it at all, uh, Chad. It was, it, it's pretty phenomenal. If you want to talk about like you know kind of its capabilities and what it can do and like what it means for the for what it means for the broader space, who can utilize it, that kind of stuff. For sure, yeah, I'll talk a bit on it. I think I think we'll have full announcements and like documentation and everything coming out like any day now. So so there will be some more. But just as a just as a broad overview, um, yeah, basically. SwapKit is the new name from ThorSwap for just the all-encompassing integration package. So, you know, for a long time, we've kind of been like just calling this the ThorSwap API or Pathfinder API, but there's it's like a lot more uh, than just an API. So ThorSwap kind of have, has, has two products at this point, one being the front end that 
that we all know, of course, and then other the other now being called SwapKit, which is actually how you get all the functionality of ThorSwap into your Dex wallet uh, app, whatever, right? So you're getting like the you're getting the API, like finding you the best route, uh, tokenless services, so you don't have to build out all of that on your own. Uh, transaction tracker is uh, going through a huge update, so that's really exciting. Um, should be live on ThorSwap itself as a demo pretty dang soon. Some people have already you've already got to test it out, right? Yeah, I tried it out. It's it's so sick. Uh, yeah, so it's basically a new transaction tracker. So like, I, I'm sure everyone here hates actually like 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 me uh, hates sending their coins into the void and having no idea what happens to them for like you know anywhere from ten seconds to an hour, and uh, you're just waiting and you have no idea what what the heck's going on. This is a really slick UI that track for you. It tell it basically keeps you updated on like where what, what's happening all right right now the the bitcoin's being sent it's waiting for confirmation you wait for that and then once it gets confirmed it like checks it off and then it says all right now that now that bitcoin's being swapped to rune all right done three seconds and then it's like all right now that rune's going to ethereum that's that that's going out all right now outbound key like you know five minutes and then and it's done and then it has a link to all the the block explorer transactions on the bottom you can see it end to end it, it's like it's, it's a pretty nice piece of equipment there and something that's going to be like really useful for not just ThorSwap, but just like the the ecosystem in general because i think that's kind of the, exactly. one of the weakest points of this of the swap experience right now is just not knowing what the hell is happening after you execute it's like blockchain is really good at executing the swap but then it's not so good at well the front is there we just don't this yet and now now we do but we didn't have the tools to really uh just keep the user notified on like what is the current status like what what is going on right now and i think the source swap that the, the uh, this swap kit thing uh will go a long way in helping that yeah super, yeah super this transaction tracker i mean yeah like you said it's, it's just been long overdue it's like definitely been one of the weakest points as far as ui uh in the broader Thorchain ecosystem you know like we, you just see a spinning wheel and, and you don't really know what's going on but like you said like now you'll see the biggest feature of all of it is just where you currently have seen the spinning wheel you'll just see a total countdown so it's just estimating the total of all the legs involved in your swap including outbound delays you know if you're gonna if it's using aggregation like all the various steps is just giving you a total estimated countdown and then yeah you can click in and expand it and see like oh your bitcoin is on its way into the thorchain vault and that's that has a countdown and then it's like okay now it's being swapped to eth and now it's going to to kyber swap to get to your final erc20 or or avax token or, or whatever it is that you're doing um so yeah a lot more transparency and just giving you like that that it, it's really just um reassurance that everything is actually going along smoothly versus you just click submit and you're like okay i just you know sent my coins and i don't know I don't, I don't have like confirmation of exactly what's going down until, oh, okay, it showed up. Great. <laughs> so, so that'll be great. And, and like you were touching on, the real value is that, yeah, this is, this is part of the swap kit package. So um, we're going to be seeing like a lot of UIs that we're already familiar with in the ThorChain ecosystem that could potentially be using this as well as like all the new integrations and partners that we're working on will have access to this. And that doesn't mean like, oh, they're, they're, it's like an external link to, to this this new transaction tracker. Rather, they can like build in these endpoints into their UIs and just like call on all of the data that that this tracker is utilizing and and package it in their own interface. So that's like a an existing wallet or, or whatever else will still have access to this. Which is huge for the space. Yeah, kind of. It's it, the analogy that I have in my brain for this is it's kind of like the like ant package tracker. Like you make a you place something on order on Amazon. It, kind of walks through the, oh, we placed your order, we're waiting for it to be, okay, the payment went through, we're waiting for it to be packaged. It was mailed, it's now in, you know, 
Sacramento and, and then they get updated. Okay, now it's in Wyoming or, or whatever it is. And you can like watch the, the progress of your package being sent to you. It's, it's conceptually similar to that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's just one of the kind of aspects of this whole swap kit, which is hence the name of like, it's, it's really this like package of really the goal is to how, how do we make it as simple as possible for partners to, to get this whole thing, to get the Thorchain swaps, to get everything integrated for multi-chain wallets, uh, you know, to get the aggregator contracts in there, um, really just minimizing every step possible that they, that they'll have to do and just get it as much integrated into the swap kit package just to make integrations really simple so like they also get like a partner dashboard so they can track everything that's going on with their integration they of course get like all the all the aggregator contracts and any ongoing contracts so for example like like if we got the ibc aggregation and thor swaps doing that that's something that would just be like added into the the whole suite over time or, or, or binance smart chain aggregation so partners will really just be able to like hopefully at least the vision is just like it's a lot more set it and forget it they don't have to worry about like the the complexities of, of integrating as much. I mean, obviously there's still a few little things and uh, Oleg or Mogarki, someone from the ThorSwap team can of, of course like walk partners through what exactly they do have to do. But really the vision and the goal is just to make it as like easy as possible to, to, to integrate like all the, everything that you see that's on ThorSwap is essentially a demo for what SwapKit can do in an external integration. So really exciting. Yeah, the one, and one of the things like going back to the integration stuff, um, there's so many apps that are just tools, yeah, and they just don't have the tools to construct like Bitcoin transactions and things like that. And it, it's quite tough to get them to see the value in switching over their entire infrastructure to being able to construct a Bitcoin transaction or like a wallet to be able to support native Bitcoin and send transactions like that. But obviously, like you know, from from our perspective and from and everyone here can probably see this is that it's a hugely valuable tool being able to be multi-chain and you know use our infrastructure to, to swap between chains so uh one of the big advantages of SwapKit, i think not, not just being able to you know do this, this, the swap api stuff but actual like wallet integrations because it makes the wallet integration process easier where say you're an ebm app right now you can use this swap kit and you can have a a full bitcoin ledger integration done in a couple hours and you can start constructing, uh, you know, ledger ledger based swaps, and you can go. It, it, it's basically the um, the portal to your on ramp. So you could have, say, you're uh, you're a Doge only wallet or something like that, and you want to onboard your wallet. How do you do that? Like, where are you getting users? So you have to get users from centralized exchanges to withdraw. But what if you could have a crypto native on ramp? So all of a sudden, you can use this SDK. And you can say, all right, well, you, you have a MetaMask wallet. Okay, uh, great. We, we don't need to know anything about this. We're just going to implement this uh, ThorSwap uh, SwapKit SDK. And all of a sudden, we have a MetaMask integration. We have an XDeFi integration. We have a ledger integration. Onboard your Bitcoin from here. You can onboard your Ethereum from here. You can onboard your Litecoin. Like, any, anything that's ThorChain supported uh, will, will be very easy to implement because the teams don't have to go through and figure out, all right, now how do we, which, which wallets are we going to implement? Are we going to implement XDeFi wallet? Are we just going to do a key store? Are we, gonna, are we just going to do a ledger? Like if I was another, uh, if, if I was like someone thinking about one of these integrations, I'd be like, wow, that sounds like so much work. I don't want to do any of that. We're just going to keep doing our EBM stuff because it's working. But it's an easy SDK to say, hey, we can all of a sudden have Bitcoin liquidity come in through here in, into our app and have a crypto native on and off ramp. To me, that seems kind of like a no brainer, like given that uh, it, it just becomes so much easier with, with the swap kit. So I think that's really where a lot of the value of this thing lies. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're basically skipping, you're getting three years of, of Thor swap development 
uh, you know, box <laughs> to plug into your wallet, basically. Cool. So yeah, I'm just like, whenever we're meeting with the new wallets and things right now, so I'm on the top of my mind thinking about the, the swap kit and just how they could be utilizing it. So it's exciting thing. If anyone's doing development on Thorchain, uh, definitely check out the swap kit. I believe the URL is swapkit.dev. You can go and check out the uh, check out the whole thing right there. Just go to swapkit.dev in the uh, URL. Yeah, yeah. And again, we'll have like a lot. There will be like a proper announcement coming out any day, like really going through everything and demos and all that kind of thing. So uh, this is kind of just your, your first little teaser, but people have known this is going on. But but like I said, this is just like a, a way of fully encompassing like everything into into really like its own, its own product and its own its own thing. That's like part of ThorSwap. But like, this is the we've been saying for a while, like this has kind of been like, the, it's become like the North Star of ThorSwap, like more than ThorSwap itself is like the actual integrations, right? And like what we're all aligned on from ThorChain, Nine Realms, ThorSwap is really landing these these integrations so that's that's been the main focus and now now it's just kind of uh becoming official here with with, with swap kit last call if anyone from the audience wants to come up ask questions comments just anything really these are always open so anyone can come up anytime but no one has decided to come up this week so yeah anything uh anything else on the top of your minds chad chad No, on my end, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm psyched about right now is SwapKit and especially this transaction tracker. So hopefully that's live on ThorSwap within the next, I don't know. I don't know if I should put a timeline, but it's very, very, very close. Um, so everyone should be able to be play, playing with that new transaction tracker really soon. And uh, oh, my bad for the, the muting. I think I, I think I bumped that by mistake a minute ago. I, I didn't realize if, uh, I thought you could just unmute yourself, my bad. I thought I thought I just, uh, oops, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be out really, really soon, so people can start start uh, seeing that transaction tracker we're talking about. Chad, you should be unmuted now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I'm just, I was just gonna say that I'm like really happy with the the forward movement that we've seen on the project in the last few months, and uh, the swap kit is like another good example of something, uh, even externally to the like core development, is just like really good. Um, powerful tools being created that just extend the capabilities and, and ease of use and, and UX and experience of using this, uh, this DEX and this exchange is like pretty spectacular. Like it's, um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed with, with, with the, the work that people in the project, both in uh, on the core project and externally is just, it's blows, just blows my mind. Cool. Oh, I had one more thing I wanted to say and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah, I was gonna. Today's the last day of the first quarter of the uh, of the year. So uh, I think next right now I'm working on a uh, just a Q1 kind of update article, just going through the the Q1 stats, uh, all the major stats that that we look at as like as nine realms. Like we, we have a bunch of indicators that that we're always uh, checking for, like you know the health of the network and uh, things like top affiliates and how much liquidity fees are being generated and how much. Uh, block rewards are coming in versus liquidity fees. Like that's all stuff that we want to publish and, and get out there. And uh, I, I feel like a quarterly cadence is like kind of right where it's not like it's not harsh, but it's not too too often either. I think I think monthly might be a little bit a little bit too much in terms of like core protocol development. But we'll be putting out a Q1 update probably uh, at the end of next week or, or so. Being today's the last day of the, the first, so I would look forward to that next week and just basically just going through all the stuff that happened in in Q1, which is just like. Uh, 
yeah, just a, a bunch of bunch of new things that have uh, come up in, in Q1, and uh, you know, just pointing pointing towards the stuff that's coming, which is BSC and uh, and lending, obviously, like the two biggest things on the horizon. So it doesn't look like anyone wants to come up on stage. So uh, that's pretty much it on my end. Vegas, we can call it. Unless Bro, you got anything left you want to bring up? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, just uh, oh, I, I listened to your Archeo, uh live yesterday, that, so that was pretty cool. Anything you want to say about that? Or uh, yeah, I guess I could. Um, I have been I've been purposely holding off on like at some point when I write like a real tweet thread about the project and what my involvement is and that kind of stuff, and I've been holding off on that until we're further down the down the path. But um, for anybody who doesn't know, like I, I've been working on another called Archeo along with the Shapeshift team. And the, the goal of this thing is to um, to do what I, what I consider like this I'm kind of coining a new phrase, but uh, what I call post protocol centralization, right? And so the idea of that is that like that any DeFi um, um, application, whether it be ThorSwap or ThorChain or Ave Compound, you name it, they're only decentralized on the protocol level. Level they're not actually interacting with the protocol and and the websites and all that kind of stuff all that stuff is like highly centralized and requires web 2 infrastructure to, to interact with which to me is like inherently a problem right if you want web 3 to be successful you can't really you know get get bullish on web 3 but then be reliant on web 2 to, to make web 3 even work at all and so in my view my goal of this project is to make it so that we could create a framework that anybody else can utilize it no matter what chain or, or project you're working on uh, arbitrarily it can be anything and anybody can, can fully decentralize every component and part of the stack of any kind of application, whether it be an NFT or a web protocol or app, whatever it is. Everything can be fully decentralized. Everything can be fully on, on a Web3 infrastructure and not require any points of centralization uh, to, to kind of like either um, spy on or, or you know, censor. As you've seen recently, like MetaMask was collecting IP addresses and uh, Infura was saying, and uh, you know, they blocked things to Angel Cash from being able to utilized which is kind of bullshit and so that, that's part of the goal of this, of this entire thing and so i did a, a live stream interview from uh, crypto crypto cedo um on, on his uh, his podcast and it'll be live on youtube as i'm sure at some point if not already now but uh, that, that's going to be a, a, a project i'll be working on in the in the future so basically like like front ends or wallets would probably be like a main main uh, like use case for this right so then they could like remove their reliance on stuff like infura is that like the key Correct. Correct. Like Infura, to me, Infura is the first kind of phase. Phase one is the Infura, right? It's, the Infura gives you the ability to interact with the blockchain itself and interact, like either read some data from a contract or get some data to a contract or whatever it might be. And that's the first kind of pillar that needs to be kind of built. In, and we need to destroy the Infuras of the world, the optimist Infuras that are, are inherently problematic from my perspective. And that's the first part. The second part, really interested in doing it, I've come up with an interesting design to accomplish it is to fully decentralize the UIs themselves as well. So, uh, you know, you're not going to some website or some domain like, uh, you know, either fished or be shut off by the by ICANN or something like this, but also the who's hosting that website, how that site is being hosted is going to be done in a decentralized way. And so, uh, like something like a ThorSwap, theoretically, if they want, they don't have to do this, of course, but if they want to, they could, they could like remove web hosting entirely, like just get rid of your AWS account almost entirely in terms of the, using the software, using the ThorSwap UI and get rid of your Thor nodes, get rid of your Midgards, get rid of all those things. Just like, just hit the delete button, right? And kill all those things off so that you're not providing that service for your own community. Instead, 
anybody can be a provider of that service for your community and they can do that and get paid to do so. And that just, I think it just shifts everything. Now ThorSwap can be completely run in a way that can never be turned off by anybody. And that includes ThorSwap itself. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it definitely seems like a, a natural progression and something, something the space needs. If you're truly going to claim decentralization, you need to remove the whole, every centralized piece of the stack. So pretty you excited to, get, to see. You have, yeah. you have to get fully in the Web3 space. Like we just saw, like this literally happened like a week before SBF, you know, went down to the shitter. Uh, he was talking about creating laws in the United States that would KYC the front ends. So we can't really KYC the back ends of the smart contracts themselves because how the fuck are you going to accomplish that? It's like nearly impossible. Uh, so now we're going to go after the UIs because that's the point of centralization, right? And so then we're going to like, okay, ThorSwap, like you're a UI, so you're going to need to start KYC all your users. Like that would be a fucking disaster if you ask me. So we need to get ahead of government in their in their interest to you know KYC front end ThorSwap and tell the government to, to lick my left nut and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Just the left one. Just uh, <laughs> that'd be too far yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure that makes a lot of sense then it's, it's great to see and um yeah i know like these are um definitely things that that thor swap is, is thinking about and um i think we'll see a lot of strides as far as like front end moving towards decentralization kind of like you know following following's uh lead in a lot of ways um Thorchain is such a great example of like an actually decentralized project <laughs> so uh you know thor swap has a good uh, a good thor dad to look up to <laughs> as far as the decentralization path but yeah. but yeah some of these things with actually front ends and hosting and you know it, it, it's sort of a different problem in some regard so um it, it, but, yeah. it's, a diff- it's very yeah. much a different a different yeah. problem and also a very difficult problem to solve which is why i want to create this like easy to use front that you can just jump on on the back of in a sense and say like yeah this is all we gotta do great done finished very cool. Yeah, man, I'm excited for Archeo. I you gave you gave me an explainer at uh, East Denver, and especially just from the, the perspective of like, I mean, it, it relates to Thorchain in a lot of ways because Thornos can start selling their, uh, their 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 chain daemon data. Like if you're if you're a Thornode operator, you can get you can basically have a second revenue stream by selling your uh, your Ethereum data or or whatnot. You could you could sell it to, to Shapeshift, who's willing to to pay some kind of provider to. To, to run that or whoever's using Archeo data. It just sounds, it just sounds like a very useful product that, uh, I mean, it is a very useful product, which is why I'm, I'm sure it'll be successful and people will, will be using it. But uh, Chad always is the champion of decentralization. So let's fucking go. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I have a pet peeve with the industry in general around like people building projects or, or, or whatever that are just geared around like trying to make people rich uh, with some sort of like, you know, half-assed, uh, create system or something you know half-baked uh what i wish people would do more in the industry is actually solve problems actually find something we can solve that uniquely you know blockchain or, or this kind of technological stack can uniquely offer and actually solve real world problems and i think i wish we had people in the space that had that mentality rather than let's build something that causes the number to go up as fast as possible I wish I could just see like your your like idea note. Like I'm sure you've got a note that just has like a hundred different ideas on it. <laughs> Would love to see that. I, I do have something with a bunch of yeah. I do have something like that, and and not one of them is about you know never go up. It's all about here's a problem in the world. Here's how we can solve it from a practical perspective, and this is why blockchain in general is the solution for this particular problem. Totally, yeah. You're you definitely think you can tell just from afar, like you you think of these things from from first principles and like actually solving problems. 
I'm curious, is like is, is working on something like Archeo almost like is it symbol for you? Because like on Thorchain you're dealing with like, you know, actually controlling like huge amounts of funds and assets and security. Whereas I guess like Archeo doesn't really have that problem to tackle, right? So is it almost like is it almost like simple for for your big brain? <laughs> yeah, it, it actually is very simple. So Thorchain is very, very complex. It took years of research and encoding for myself and, and others. It was just it's like, in my opinion, and I, I, and I mean this in a literal sense, it's one of the most complicated, difficult problems to solve in the entire crypto space, especially, or especially in the, in the DeFi space specifically. But like, it's extraordinarily difficult to a lot of years to design and build this thing. To this day, nobody else has come up with a different idea or a different approach to doing what it is that this network does. They're all just forking either ThorChain, like my forking or white paper, like Chain Flip is, is doing. Like, it's just, it's a very hard problem to solve, and we spent the time to do so. In Archeo's case, though, I was, I mean, I came up with the, the, the design, the architecture relatively quickly. Uh, the first the first idea I literally did in a weekend, it was not hard to crack. Uh, and then there were some, obviously some changes and improvements made over over like a few weeks or whatever. But like, I had a whole, it was, it, was, it was done pretty quickly. And then the actual code itself, I build the protocol and build all these things. That literally took me exactly 30 days to build uh, the entire thing. And so uh, itself was largely already done. There's some... Uh, testing and validation, bug fixes, I'm sure. But like the vast, like we're basically ready from a code perspective pretty much now. Um, so like it, it, it's definitely a lot, lot easier, a lot, lot faster to build, a lot less at, at risk. So you don't have to worry about other chains or like, you know, locking up people's funds in the same way that we think about things with Thorchain. So yeah, it's so much easier, so much quicker. So I actually expect this project to be relatively fast for me in terms of like the amount I'm going to spend and, and building and whatever. Um, that should be like it'll only be like a year, maybe a year and a half or so before I move on to another project and build something else that I feel like feel like needs to be solved. Love it. Well, we need we we need more chads in the world. <laughs> that's that's awesome to hear, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely seems like a, a a much needed project, and glad you're building it. And whatever else is next sounds really interesting too. Cool. So uh, yeah, any any, I guess we're probably ready to wrap up now then. Yeah, I just just uh, one last thing, I guess. I just got word from uh, DeFi Spot. I believe they're running a ten thousand dollars trading competition on their front end with. Uh, I, I, actually, I don't. I don't really know many details. I just pinned it to the top here, so I'm just the messenger on it on this one. So, uh, DeFi Spot. It looks like they're running some kind of ten thousand dollars trading competition on on. So, uh, it looks like if you use their front end, then you can get some kind of share of this prize pool. I don't, click click on the link and find out some of the details. Uh, I'm just learning about this now, so. If you want to check it out, then then check it out. Just just retweeted it and pinned it to the top of this space. So, shout outs to DeFi Spot for putting some kind of trading competition together. Uh, hopefully, it, I, I'm really I'm curious to see like if this type of stuff actually works in incentivizing volume and uh, really moves the needle with users and anything like that. But I guess that's to be determined. But if you're interested in something like that, then definitely check it out. And I think that's the last thing I have for today. So thanks everyone for coming on, and uh, we could meet again. By the, yep. by the way, I'm sorry, one last thing uh, I forgot to mention. There's going to be an airdrop for the token uh, at some point to the future. And uh, if you are a rune holder, you are an LP. If you're a node operator on ThorChain, you are already part of the drop. So if you're a ThorChain you know, community member and you would like to get involved with Archie, it sounds like a good, interesting idea that you want to get some, some free tokens dropped on you. Uh, keep an eye out. Follow the Archeo Network uh, Twitter account. Uh, there's a Discord opening up pretty soon to, to join and you can get involved if you want to. For savers too, I believe, right? Except for UTXO chains, I think. Yeah, I, I forget the exact specifics. Uh, this is largely the shape of putting together the actual 
um, airdrop details and, and you know configuration of all those things. But yeah, I think Savers is being included as well, if I'm not mistaken. But there's a doc that's gonna that's already I think it's already being publicly floated around that people can kind of get the, the details of like how many tokens are being dropped and where they're being dropped to and how do you participate, how do you get them, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Cool. Thanks, Chad. And thank you, Chad, for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this space. Um, yeah, I guess we'll be on next Friday or whenever else. We'll keep, I, I said this at the beginning, but we'll, we'll keep trying doing these as often as possible. Try, like Trying for weekly, and then if we don't make that, then we'll just uh, push it off to the next week. But we're going to keep on the grind. All right. Peace, everybody. See you, Chad. Yeah. See you, Chad.